Hi, my name is Luis Castro. And my name is Jeremy Pendry. And we are from heaven. And later on, you'll find out that we have liquid gold from heaven. Hi, and welcome to the second episode of Food Brews. My name is Marcus. My name is David. And together we are Food Brews. So with Food Brews, we want to explore the Bay Area on um, our own way. And we both like people, we both like food in this great area. So we started that podcast. Together. And, and David, you had the idea of making or starting a podcast. Why? Oh, just a long time ago, I always enjoyed podcasts and I thought they were really exciting and fun and, and I would learn a lot. And um, it was on my list. It was on my top 10 list. Some other sh episode, I can tell you what the other items are, but it was definitely on my top 10 list of things to do and uh, just been telling different people about it. And then when we met each other, you had already had experience doing them and you yeah. were ready to do another one. So it worked yeah, out. I love producing, recording, talking to people. Learning. Yeah, that's right. So enough for an introduction. Uh, we warmly welcome Luis and Jeremy. Hi, Luis. Hi, Jeremy. Hello. Hi, thank you. Yeah, back to your short introduction. You said you are from heaven. Why? Thank you. Yeah, so I'm in the process of opening a brewery in the East Bay area, and the name is Del Cielo Brewing. And Del Cielo means from heaven in Spanish. So, and that's the reason why you brew from uh, brew beer from heaven, right? Well, you, whenever Correct. you have a couple of beers, Marcus, you're in heaven, aren't you? That's right. <laughs> All right. That's right. So that's a good name. And what about the liquid gold part, too? Yeah, that's right. Why liquid gold? Liquid gold, well, a lot of the beers are uh, bright and yellow and clear. So that's how you want your gold, right? So, um... Usually they, they say it's a, the golden state because of the grass, the golden grass right. and colored grass. So you produce California beer? That's correct. Of the gold of course. Do you want to have your, your beer the same color as your state, I think? Yeah, that's right. That fits perfect. That's correct. At the same time that we do a lot of um, Californian beers, my background, uh, I'm, I'm originally from Colombia, so I do a lot of um, beers with different fruits and different spices too. Oh, okay. So, so you, you use um, the spices to, to brew or do you add spices or different spices for brewing or cooking? Or so during the production of the, of the beer, you can have different spices um, at different steps of the beer. And that's one of the beers that we're going to try later today, which is the G-Root Pale Ale, uh, which is a ginger pale ale beer. Oh, that's one of the best parts of the show. If, if you didn't know, we get to try beer. Yes. Yeah, usually that's the reason why we make this <laughs> podcast, try food and, of course, trying beer. <laughs> yeah, so uh, where's your brewery located? So at this moment, we're looking for a location in the East Bay area around Pleasant Hill, Wanna Creek, uh, potentially that area. Uh, we haven't found the, the right location that we wanted to get that is close to different uh, trails, uh, different parks that we wanted to be involved more with the community and be able for the customers to probably bike to the to a brewery or just uh, take a walk and just go to a brewery pretty close. Okay, and why that area? Is that a special reason? Well, there's this really special strategic reason for that area. Mm -hmm. And that's that Luis lives in that area. Oh, yeah, that's the best <laughs> <reason>. <laughs> and and what about yeah? Wh why want to be by a trail or by kind of outdoorsy area? 
that's where I spend a lot of my time when I'm not brewing or, or working. So um, I'm a, I'm a cycling. Uh, I do a lot of biking. Cyclist. Uh, cyclist. I'm a cyclist. Um, and I do some a lot of running. Uh, I, I run like four times uh, during the week. Um, a lot of my friends around the area, they do hiking too, including Jeremy. Sometimes I, I find him at the trail with his dog. With my punk rock dog. I have a dog with him. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> what, what's your dog's name? Bingo. Bingo. That's what happens when you let Bingo. your... Bingo. Yes. Oh, so, so that's... That's what happens when you let your kids name the dog. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> bingo. <laughs> okay, gotcha. So, uh, I also noticed that you're wearing uh, a hat and a shirt with your company name and company logo, and it says Beer from Heaven. And uh, and then on your website and in general, it's your branding's amazing. So, Thank who, you. Who, who did that? That was a collaboration between an old friend of mine from Ohio. I used to live in Ohio like six years ago between him and my, and my wife. We kind of um, have the idea. I always wanted to have the, a name in Spanish. So my wife's name is Cielomar, which is... Has, um, Heavenly Sea. <laughs> which is Cielomar, which means um, sea, and sea and sky mm. or ocean and sky. Yeah, or, or heavenly sea is another way to put it in English. Sky and sea. Sorry, it's sky and sea. Okay. So her, her name is Cielomar, which is in Spanish means sky and sea. And, and I like that included into the name of the brewery, having uh, the name again in Spanish, and it represents all the standards that I do while, while I brew. So the, from heaven it means having the best quality of ingredients, uh, going a, doing a good job doing the fermentation, making sure everything is clean, so just having those high-quality standards so the beer tastes like it's coming from heaven. So liquid cold from heaven. Yeah. I, I like that a lot. And, and you are from Colombia, right? Yes. Oh, okay. And is, um, is that a good place to brew beer? I, I, the only thing I knew is um, that's very high. There are high mountains. Right. So be, before, when I was living in Colombia, I... I didn't drink that much of uh, craft beer. When I moved to the U.S., I started drinking some of the craft beer in Ohio, some of those uh, Great Lakes Brewery, um, some of uh, Duckfish, mm -hmm. going back to those old school, like the, the, the oldest breweries that are, are in, in, in the U.S., including Stone. So I was just impressed with all the different beers that they, they have available, and I was missing that for the last... 25 years mm -hmm. so that's when i got into drinking different beers and every time that i that we travel we always go through different uh, breweries and visit them and every single brewery that you go into a state or a city even a small town is different than the other one so each brewery have their own signature like in germany so you can can uh, drive through bavaria it's especially in the northern part you have every small village and say small village so um, have his, has its own brewery. So it's, it's great. It's, yeah. like, it's like having a local bakery or something like yeah, that. like that. Right. Yeah. And so you have a map at home uh, where you can see all that local breweries and you taste it or not? I, I do it on Google Maps. <laughs> ah, so that's so, what I do. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that's, oh, that's what you do too, Marcus? 
Yeah, that's the way I. Do so what do you, what do you mean? You you have a, a map on Google Maps that's your personal one where you yes. pin all the places you yes. went. Yes, yes. And do so you, you put notes there? Or? So I not notes, stars, stars. Usually. Yeah, so you see a lot of yellow stars on your map. <laughs> is that is that what you do too? Yeah. Wow. Now, do, do you do this, Jeremy? No, I'm Neither. technologically challenged. Okay. Well, I guess we all need to. I'm the one holding a microphone. Remember. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so I did that. So you have your Google Maps. So yeah, that's yeah. right. How many stars do you have on your Google oh Maps? Oh, my God. Uh, I don't know. Probably 300, 400. Okay, that's usually um, all-time um, home brews, uh, breweries or things no, like more, that? No, more uh, craft beer, like a small. Beer. The, okay. the, the smaller the brewery, the the more excited I, I go and visit them. Oh, okay. How do you find that breweries? Um, normally, I ask social media. Um, um, I don't know. For example, I'm going to Colorado. I send an email to... Um, no, an email on, on Facebook. Mm. Um, any breweries I recommend on Colorado. So they normally send like the smaller ones or the ones that they just open. And the, the big uh, breweries, you already know them. So you can get their beers at a store. So... Why you want to visit them unless the the place is like Disneyland for for adults? Okay, do you have ever been on a place that was very special? So special means um maybe fancy or you can drink beer like in Bavaria or in a big big glass or something else unique something unique yeah unique. So <clears throat> yes, like four years ago, the first time that I went to a stone in Escondido. Um, I don't know if you guys have been there, but the place is just amazing. They have probably like 45 different beers on, on tap. The food is um, amazing. Everything is organic. Uh, they work with the local farmers around their area, and they bring everything from the from the lettuce to the meats and all the ingredients that they use at, at, the, at the restaurant. So that's one of the locations that I'm, I'm very impressed. And like six months ago, I was in South Carolina, the new location for Sierra Nevada. Amazing place. Um, they have a huge production facility, um, and even they have a big restaurant. When you compare your beer with uh, Sierra Nevada, for example, Pale Ale or whatever, so what's the biggest difference? The biggest difference is that at the scale that we do it, we can make more different beers than, than them. And we can play with more ingredients. We can take more risk, I think. Mm-hmm. For, for a smaller scale brewery, uh, you can take more risk and you can play with different ways to, to do your beer. You can play with temperatures. You can play with different yeast. I don't know if you have something to add there, Jeremy. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. When you have a very small system, you're not taking as much of a financial risk to really try different things. And so... Um, you know, having a, a beer that's a primary part of your lineup with ginger in it, not something you'd find with a typical big brewery. So, so Jeremy, maybe uh, you want to tell us a little bit about um, how you guys met sure. and, and your background a little bit, too. Yeah, so um, Luis and I met through um, our local homebrew club in the East Bay. I'll put in a little plug for Doze. It's uh, the Diablo Order of Zymerical Enthusiasts. And do they have a website or anything? We or? do. You have Club Doze is the website. We both are members of the club and we met there. Um, I've been in the club for a few years and been brewing for several years uh, as a home brewer before that. Um, And so it's been sort of uh, fun to see him um, get uh, very much better at his brewing and become an awesome brewer and also um, to 
see the business side of it blossoming too, where he's um, in stage early stages of opening a brewery. How often does the homebrew club meet, and what is that? What is that like? We meet uh, once a month, um, but there are often special events that bring people um, together at other other times. So we have a typical monthly meeting at the the um, last Monday of every month. And for those who are who are in the Bay Area, and, the, and particularly in the central Contra Costa County area, um, if you go to the Lindsay Wildlife Museum downstairs uh, meeting room on the, at uh, six thirty p.m. on the last Monday of each month, that's where we end, we are. Um, but we also, you know, there's a lot of festivals where people get together. We have special events. We have opportunities. We've teamed up with professional breweries. I actually got an opportunity to do that last year, where I won a competition within the brewery. And I was able to brew my my beer with a Black Diamond Brewery in Concord, um, and so we have events like that. We have um, family picnics, those kinds of things, Christmas parties, other kinds of events as well. Cool. And and how did you, Louis? Uh, Louis, how did you find out about the pro, uh, the club? I start when I started brewing. I was looking for um, people to share my beer to get some feedback. So I started looking into homebrew clubs. So the closer ones what uh, was those. And again, I, I think that's that's a great place to start, even if you just want to do it for, for a hobby. Uh, we always get together there. We're probably like between 35 and 40 people in the room. Everybody's very welcoming. It's a lot of fun. Uh, sometimes some, it's like two hours for you just to take some time, have a couple of beers, meet a lot of people, very friendly, and everybody's willing to give you feedback and help you grow in your, your skills. So how was your first beer? Do you remember your first beer? I do remember my first beer. And actually, I hear, uh, I've been hearing a lot of different comments from people that brew the first beer. And mine, it wasn't, it wasn't that bad. I would say mine wasn't that bad either, but it, ter- it definitely wasn't that good. <laughs> Yeah, I think mine was. I think it was pretty pretty good. It was pretty decent beer. Had, uh, you, had you done a lot of research before you did it? Yeah, yeah. So I, I think I watched the same YouTube video like 125 times before I <laughs> I opened the the water to be able to do it. Um, but yeah, I I have a lot of problems with with the beer. I'm very meticulous of what I do and step by step follow my my recipes and try to do as as much as clean I can. Yeah. So, so one thing I would add is that um, Luis is not the, so one of the things that, that having a homebrew club can really do is to help develop professional brewers. It's almost like a, a, a guild in a way. Um, and Luis isn't the first of our club. There's a, a brewery opening actually tonight mm-hmm. in Walnut Creek. That's a former club member and one that's been uh, open for a few years as a former club member. And the head brewer they hired for the brewery that's open tonight is also a former club member. Um, so the, it, it does create a network of people that, that yeah. work their way up, people who want to who want to have a personal business. Um, a lot of them go from home brewing and from club type brewing and, and do start professional brewery careers. Yeah, the the other good thing about going to a club is you be able to to brew with different people. Uh, some, for example, sometimes I brew with Jeremy or with other club members and, and you use get feedback yeah, that's you important. get feedback and you different you get different procedures how they do it how i do it why they do it so there's a lot of things that we do that we don't know why we just do it and just follow what we've been doing but yeah yeah okay so um what's the most important part when you 
brew your own beer. I've heard that everything is about cleaning. Sanitation. <laughs> sanitation, 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 yeah. right. Uh, yeah, what, what's important in sanitation? Why, why do you have to do that? I would say one of the most important things is sanitation um, because during the different steps in the process, especially when, when your worth is already uh, cold and you're going to add it to your carboy or your fermenter, that's when you can enter any bacteria and your beer is just going to go back from there. Maybe you're, you're going for an IPA and two weeks, two weeks after that, you're going to get a sour beer. So I think the best way to think about it is there's plenty of yeast in the air. There's bacteria and everything, right? And what you want is you want the yeast that you choose to make your beer and not the yeast that happens to be floating around your garage that day. That's um, more the French way, right? <laughs> wine. Or the Belgian way for producing beer. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the best Belgian breweries actually, um, for example, um, some of the breweries in Brussels um, don't want to move even though they're, they've outgrown their space oh, okay. because they're concerned that if they go to a different city or to the outskirts, that they're going to have different yeast coming in from the air and it'll affect the quality of the beer. Um, so there's, there's a lot of, con- you know, people do have some brewers that make sour beers in particular do have a lot of concern about. So they make sour beers and open the window, right? Exactly. Oh. They do. Yeah, they really do. But most okay. brewers, most brewers who are not making sour beer, who are making traditional lagers or ales are not doing it that way. Mm-hmm. And they're more concerned about the yeast that they want to put into the beer, making the beer and not having other yeast make the beer. And so that's why sanitation is important. And it's a, it cleaning is a huge part of it. And it's sanitation, not sterilization. You're never going to get it. You know, you're not, you're not heating everything to the point of sterilizing. You're just um, sanitizing with certain harmless, harmless chemicals um, to just make it so that your yeast has a head start and that your yeast will make the beer and not whatever happens to be out there in the air. Um, but the, the other thing I would say, I think sanitation is important, as you mentioned and as Luis mentioned, but I think a lot of people overlook the importance of fermentation. And a lot of people, when they think about brewing beer, they think about... Um, the mash process, which is the soaking the grains in hot water process. They think about boiling and all the things that can go wrong there. Um, but for me, you, there's a lot of uh, room for error in those processes. But when you get to fermentation, there's a lot less room for error. And so for me, good beer is made, and I'm not the first to say this, a lot of professional brewers and, 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 and uh, professional podcasters have said it multiple times, but good beer is really made in, with good fermentation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've seen that firsthand. When things go wrong in the brewing process, um, it's pretty forgiving if you do the fermentation right. But when things go wrong in fermentation, you get bad beer and it's really hard to fix it. Right. Okay. So uh, you mentioned the Belgian beer. Yeah, have ever been in Belgium or maybe Bavaria? I've been to yeah. I've been to Munich and mm. I've been to Bruges in Belgium. So, so. yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and I, I went to Munich only for about two days, and I think I went to five or six different beer halls and beer gardens. I don't know. I don't think I slept in two days. Yeah, maybe. Okay, good job. It was like a day and a half, maybe. Okay. <laughs> you want to say it's the biggest? What's the biggest difference between beer from Bavaria and Californian style IPAs or? West Coast Do you mean beer? in flavor or process or both? Uh, or? Yeah, more the flavor. Well, well, more than flavor is the amount of hops that California IPAs use. Yeah, I mean, a lot of yeah. traditional German styles, um, first of all, they use different hops than most American West Coast beers are using. Most American West Coast beers are using 
um, very citrusy oriented hops, often some piney. trop piney, yeah. tropical, tropical fruit flavors even. Um, but a lot of the German, the traditional German hops are more spicy, more floral. Um, that what they call the noble hops are, are, are going to, so they give you a very different um, aroma and flavor, but also, you know, a, a, a really hoppy German beer is a Pilsner, mm. which by American West Coast standards is not a hoppy beer. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, another difference is the, the type of grains or the type of malt that is used during the process too. Um, okay. West Coast uh, IPAs tend to be more clean, more like almost like a like a lager color, um, and then the the German ones are going to be more like darker, almost like well, there's a copper there's a copper uh, IPAs too. I think you can get the, the malt tradition used in the West Coast of the United States or throughout the United States is more based on British brewing typically. So it's a lot a lot of the malts mm -hmm. are more close to the British kind of crystal malts, for example, or what we call caramel malts, um, which are not traditionally used in German brewing yeah. very much. So, or if at all, oh, we have red beer. That's you do, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. but there's a different approach to getting that color and flavor. A lot of time, Munich Munich malt is a very common malt, mm -hmm. which is a, a toasted malt that's used in German beers, but it's um, a lot of the American beers used to use more crystal malt instead of Munich malt to get a similar kind of effect. Although today, um, you know, when I brew American pale ale, sometimes I'll use Munich instead of crystal. And, um, you know, there's a, a lot of crossover now where Americans are pretty much like all things American are willing to do it however they want to do it. And they don't really don't follow the rules that much. <laughs> I think the biggest, the biggest difference is probably the, the, the legacy of the Reinheitsgebot and the tradition of using yeah, particular... Right particular ingredients only which Ameri you know you're not you're not going to do that with most most american brewers don't care about that um, so, so you're saying the germans follow the rules more and the americans don't they follow their rules we follow ours yeah <laughs> oh so the americans have their own rules too no, actually you're right you're right there aren't really yeah I, I think um america tried to experiment more than than german beers like you'll find all kind of beers with different ingredients that you never thought you were going to you're going to see on a beer. But are there some rules, though? That no, there aren't. I was teasing a little no? bit. No? There are people that make very low-hopped beers. For example, certain sour beers use almost no hops at all. And some commercial brewers in the United States will you know, put a couple ounces in a huge 15-barrel batch just to make it legal. And, and the reason why in Germany they, they have that Reinheitsgebot uh, is because uh, when you don't brew that, after that rules, rules uh, you can't call it beer. Right, and that's a very important thing because usually it has to be with taxes, because you pay more tax for that beer. So the beer or the not beer is more, uh, yeah, expensive. And so yeah, usually you try to make beer in Germany after the rules. But Be beer versus spirits, right? You don't want to fall in the spirits category. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> The spirits category. No, I'm just saying, like, as far as uh, taxes. Yeah, that's right. And so, but some brewers in, in Germany do the same, like the brewers in, in the U.S. do. So they, they buy different kind of hops and brew their own beer just for drinking. And, yeah, I had the chance to, to, to try these kind of beers, and that was the beginning of a new love. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I love that more hoppy beer especially the west coast beer when you have that that uh, more fruity no yeah more citrus more fruity uh, usually i say cascade cascade is a special kind of hops 
and that makes the California style beer very popular. Uh, and so I love that flavor, and I love all that beers. Yeah, they have that. I flavor. guess you're ready for the beer, right? Yeah, that was my short introduction. <laughs> all right, let's let's open up. That beer. was a short introduction. Yeah, I can. Yeah, <laughs> it was a short introduction. So Luis is pulling out the first beer. What are we, what are we having first, Luis? So this is the Girwood Pale Ale, which is a uh, a ginger pale ale. Ah, oh, thank you. All right. You guys are so quiet. <laughs> <laughs> We're listening to the beer. Everybody's getting excited. <laughs> yeah. It's a nice color. So th this is a beer it's that... A liquid gold, right? There it is. Luis has, has made this beer several times, and he's worked on the recipe over time, and I've tried it a couple of different times in the past, and... And so I think, um, you know, we're anxious to hear what you guys think as well. But this is one that I think he wants to have in commercial production at, uh, at some, when he gets his brewery open. So uh, honest feedback is appreciated. So life tasting. <laughs> All right. I'm excited. Cheers. All right. Cheers. Yeah. Cheers. Mm. Cheers. So initially I brewed this beer like two years ago. Oh, it looks great for two years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not this batch. <laughs> and it was just to... My wife wanted to have something with ginger. Mm -hmm. Light to drink. So this is a 5.8% beer. Um, Pale ale. You don't get a lot of hoppiness. Mm -hmm. But you get that... A little, uh, some of the bitterness comes from the ginger, mm. but you get a lot of the aroma and flavor from the ginger at the end, too. And so one of the difficulties with making, I think, a good herb and spice beer or even a f good fruit beer is to, is to making it... You don't want to make something that tastes like ginger ale, right? You want it to be a beer first, but you want it to have the ginger add to the beer and make it interesting and more interesting than it would be without it. But you don't want it to overwhelm you so that it just tastes like ginger. So yeah. that, that's the trick is finding that subtle line where you, you, maybe even you're not sure exactly what the ingredient is, right? But you just say, there's something a little different in there. You should know that. So you say, oh, I, I know that this is ginger. Right. But right. you don't want to be I, smacked over yeah. the head with it. Yeah, that's right. It is definitely refreshing, like you're saying, right? It's, it's kind of... It's not it's not heavy or strong in any way. It's very refreshing for sure. Yeah, the base beer is a pale ale, right? So a pale ale is a very balanced beer that's supposed to be balanced between hoppiness and maltiness, not too hard on either one. So just imagine this. I, I know you guys love uh, food. Just imagine this beer with su with with sushi. You know, having sushi and drinking this beer. Between rolls and between switching from from different food, even uh, a, any kind of Asian food too. Yeah, it's really good. I, I love sushi; it's my favorite food. Oh, you know, th that's interesting. Um, I was thinking not on sushi, more on a good um, pork belly taco. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know why, but maybe that's uh, usually you think, or I think you um, think that um, ginger fits to sushi. But on the other hand, you can cope with with uh, ginger and a good pork belly with garlic and ginger. Is 
something you know, green. You know how ginger kind of clean cleanses yeah, your palate. I was exactly yeah. going to kind of feel that yeah, right yeah. a little bit. And are you and guys are you guys getting the ginger? Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. getting that like that palate cleansing kind of refreshing kind of. And, and the first when you try that beer, you get more ginger than after. Yes. Um, one or two minutes, mm-hmm. and that's that. That's interesting, um, because maybe your mouth, your palate, get used to. It, I think, yeah, yeah. maybe that's. But this is it. this is really smooth. I I could drink this pretty fast because it's not you know it's not some beers are super heavy and this is just easy. It is, yeah, and I like the the first part. So when you have that ginger and beer in a very good balanced way. Mm-hmm. But I know you can't do that, but it might be great if it is a little bit longer. <laughs> so I, I think um, one thing you're getting when you get the ginger at the beginning is you still have some of the aroma there. Because yeah. it's still been in, once the cap is released, you've got some aroma still. And I can tell you in, in a past version of this beer, I've had it where I thought there was too much ginger. Mm-hmm. And so um, I, I kind of like this version where it's, in, it's sort of a, a, just a hint. But I could see people who like ginger and who are expecting ginger when they see that it, they're ordering a beer that has ginger. I could see wanting a little bit more as well. See, for me, ginger, uh, like uh, ginger sushi, like pickled ginger, that's not like my, my father loves it. My brother loves it. He'll eat it all day. Me, uh, I like a little bit. But this it doesn't isn't like that pickled ginger. Right, you know, right. It's that kind of yes. – so it's just that, like you say, the root in there. And that's when – if like you get actual – where they make uh, wasabi or something, uh, you know, with or I don't know. It's just, it just feels, uh, I don't know, it tastes really good. So this is made with a fresh ginger root. So there's, uh, I don't use extract. I don't use powder. It's just fresh from from the market. So I, I put it at uh, 10 minutes and a, and a five minute. So, wait, so, so what he's doing is he's putting the ginger in while the while the they call it wort before it's beer before we put yeast in. So while the wort is boiling, he's putting the ginger in at the very end of the boiling process. Mm-hmm. So so I don't know if there's a way to to drink beer to really taste it, but all I know is that basically Marcus and I are done, and <laughs> the, the two of you look like you've barely started. Well, you got you got to enjoy the beer. <laughs> yeah. So what's did we did Marcus and I. Uh, I mean, it's really good. Did Marcus and I, were we supposed to taste a certain ways or like maybe uh, you can tell us how how we're supposed to judge it or something? Jeremy is the expert. Yeah, so, well, I would first say that if you drink the beer fast, I think Luis, as a proprietor of a brewery, will have no complaints whatsoever. And he'll be happy for you to come back and order more. And ordering in large quantities is probably a good thing. Um, But it also signals how much of a refreshing beer this is, right? That it's just an easy beer to drink. Um, And then if, if that's the kind of beer you want, one that people finish and want to order one more. Um, but so in general, when you're you're um, judging a beer, you're starting with the aroma. So you don't even taste the beer first. You're going straight to, you know, nose in the glass. Um, and you're looking for all the elements that go into the brewing process. You're looking for uh, hop aroma. You're looking for malt aroma. When you know it has a spice, you're looking for that aroma or some other kind of fruit additive or something. You're looking for that. You're also looking for yeast character depending on the style of beer. American beers tend to not have a lot of yeast character. Part of the American style is to keep the yeast in the background and to let the hops shine and let the malt be a big part player. Um, but other styles of beer, for example, Belgian beers, most of the flavor comes from the yeast. Most of the aroma comes from the yeast in Belgian beers. So um, they talk about Belgian beers having banana and clove mm-hmm. aromas and flavors, and those aren't from people putting 
bananas or cloves in the beer. That's just from the yeast character that happens during fermentation. So you're looking for all of those things, yeast flavor, yeast aroma, um, hops, malt. You're also, as a judge, which is not something you're going to do as a casual drinker, but as a judge, you're looking for off flavors. Um, <laughs> we're getting photographed here. You're looking for Selfie. you're looking for off flavors too. So you, as a judge, you're looking for mistakes, and there are different kinds of mistakes that I won't bore you with. And then with flavor, you're looking for a lot of the same things you're looking at with aroma, but you're also looking at bitterness level and whether it's a balanced beer. You're looking at what it leaves on the palate. You know, do I feel like I've got this astringency in the back of my throat? Is it like a hot alcohol, or is it a clean finish where I, I'm ready for another sip? That kind of thing. And so that's all stuff you're looking for. Um, the mouthfeel is important. Is this syrupy and undrinkable where it's great for one sip, but I don't want another sip? Or is it light and refreshing? Or is it too thin? Is it not, you know, for the style? And for a style like this, you want a pretty balanced beer that's drinkable, but you don't want it to be too thin. You don't want it to be too syrupy. And, um, and then over, you're looking at an overall impression, too. You know, would I want to order a pint of this beer? Would I want to drink it again? Would I want to eat it with food? And if so, what kind of food, like Marcus mentioned, with a pork tacos? Uh, pork belly tacos. That would, might, you know, that kind of thing is also part of the judging process, where you think about overall what is the overall impression. And so, those are some of the general things you're looking for when you're judging a beer. So, David, this was a long introduction. <laughs> <laughs> I yes. made a short introduction. Was that too much? No, it was great. No, it was great. I love that beer in that temperature. So, um, oh, oh, oh right when it's fresh. Yeah, I mean, you want it to be cold. Yeah. Cold, yeah. It's the same like when you try um, rosé or a white wine, then it changes the, the 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 flavor um, when it's getting yeah the, it changes the temperature absolutely. Uh, so and for me, it's usually I'm I love that temperature or especially that temperature. And when I have that beer as long as possible in that temperature, because I don't like warm beer. <laughs> So maybe that's the reason. And yeah, I can drink one mess uh, at once. Yeah, and I think it's interesting. Oh, yeah, I think it's interesting because this beer starts changing with the temperature. Yeah. And I think you get a little more of the ginger when it, it warms. Oh, yeah. It's like, it's, a, it's like a... I, sur- can, I can tell you right now, Dave and Marcus will never know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, okay. No, but it's like, it's like a there's a little bit left in the bottom of the... yeah. <laughs> But I think it's kind of like a, like a, anything else, salsa or ceviche. It, it, the longer it sits, the more the air exposed to it, the more intense it gets. Yeah. yeah. So you guys remember when you were asking what's the difference right. between a big brewery and a, and a local brewery having a 10-barrel system or 15-barrel system? So this is all fresh ginger root. Imagine you're doing a, a scale, a Sierra Nevada, doing something like this with ginger root. They're probably going to have to buy the extract. Right. It's going to be harder to use the fresh fruit. You're going to, it's, going to, it's just too labor-intensive. Yeah. A lot of small breweries will, for example, let's say they're using blood oranges or something. They'll get everybody in the brewery on a Saturday, and they'll peel oranges for a day. And, and it's just hard to do that in a massive production brewery. So I, um, a lot of the things that we wanted to do at Del Cielo is be able to partner with all those farmers, the, the guy that can find the blood orange or the person that can bring the kiwis or any local fruits that we can use uh, spices so we can partner with them at the same time do that kind of beer and they're going to be at the tab room when we do the the release of the beer 
show show casting that local farmer. Well, yeah, that's a great idea. That you, the more that are there, the more people that are promoting it. If they're promoting on their social media, you promote your social media, and they they invite their friends, you invite your friends. It's mm-hmm. it's a win win win. Yeah, and I think that's really great because if you can if you can get the ginger root from a particular person or farm, and then they part of it too. They they can they can be part of the process, and it's fun. It's right. good for everybody. Make it short. I love that beer because of it's it's well balanced. So in the beginning you have more ginger, and at the end you have less ginger. But yeah, that makes it interesting. And yeah, I, I, I love that beer very much. So yeah, I thought it was amazing. Yeah, I, was I thought the first one who finished. That. Yeah. <laughs> There'll be a there'll be a seat warm for you at the tap room someday. <laughs> but it's very yeah. Just I keep saying it over and over. It's just super refreshing. That's what beer usually should be. Ah, uh, there's so many. They're very. They can be. Okay, pretty. I, I prefer beer that is refreshing. And I do like I like the label a lot. Uh, handcrafted in Walnut Creek. I like that. That's literally handcrafted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's something interesting. You have uh, on um, Instagram. A description, and you wrote handcrafted experimental beer. Right. So why experimental? Because at the stage where where I am, um, I'm using my pad, my pilot system to work on all the different recipes that I wanted to brew that I wanted to have at the brewery. So basically, I'm able to experiment with a lot of stuff. Um, I've been doing for the last three months. I've been doing. I'm, I've been experimenting with a lot of fruits. I have um, a wheat beer that I use kiwi, and that one is is a killer. It's very refreshing. A killer. That, mm. A so. wheat beer with kiwi sounds like that might be a, a panty dropper. Is that one that the women are going to love? Uh, I think so. <laughs> and the ginger, too. Kiwi wheat beer. I'm just thinking so if it, the people from Australia would like it or not. I, I, just, I just need to find where to get a lot of kiwi. Okay, um, so... We are. Um, You're out of beer. In, uh, we are out of beer. beer. So do you have another one? So <laughs> so let, let me let me give you an intro for this one. Yes. Today is Luis reminded me. Today is yes. National IPA Day. The National IPA Day. So today is you know there, there's not enough IPAs on the market. They're only seventy five percent of the beers people drink. So they got to have a day for it to make it even more more prevalent. So um, and if you're you're probably. Uh, if you don't have an IPA when you open a brewery, you will soon because yes. you learn that's how you can earn a living. Um, but Luis makes some good IPAs to begin with. So, uh, so it's equivalent that, to everyone right now having uh, hamburgers and fried chickens. Yeah, you, you have yeah. to have an you IPA. Gotta have, you got to have an IPA. And so, but, but I think for Luis, it's a good steak is good with him. Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah. But for Luis, I think it's from the heart. He does like IPAs, so he's I not do. just making them because he has to. He enjoys drinking them, and, and, and I enjoy drinking his IPAs. So that's the other beer he brought. Yeah, and it's, and it's always a lot of fun when you... That's part of the experimentation. I don't know how many different hops are, but there are more than 100 different hops. 100? Of course. So In, the, in that IPA? No, 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 no. in the so market. You try, you, oh, yeah, in the yes, market. Of course. Yeah. Yes. So the way for you to experiment and know how a specific mm-hmm. hop is going to taste, is going to give you that flavor, is going to give you that aroma, you have to play and do a different variation of, of an IPA or whatever So you beer. have to drink a lot. In my case, I have to brew a lot. It's a tough job at somebody yeah. else. <laughs> I, I prefer to, to say I brew a lot, and the drinking just comes as, as a secondary job. Yeah, secondary show. <laughs> All right, so ha- happy 
National IPA Day, IPA Day to everybody. With the El Pas- is it El Paseo? El Paseo IPA. Okay. I'll pour to the to the ones that are very thirsty. <laughs> <laughs> just just remember to follow Jeremy's instructions. <laughs> yeah, this time this time let's let's have Jeremy walk us through what we should do and how we should smell sure. and sure we, stuff. Usually I do that uh, all the time when I have yeah. Marcus. Sure. Marcus knows what he's doing, I can tell. Sure. No, actually Marcus does. So he's right to start with the aroma and to really get your nose in there and, and see what you're smelling. And you do want to let it warm up a little bit sometimes. You'll get different aromas. Luckily we all have pretty big noses. <laughs> So this beer um, has a lot of, um, I don't want to tell you exactly what you're looking for, but it has a lot of nails on Jeremy. Oh, does it? Yeah. I was going to say, so I don't, I don't. Uh, now I'm going to be cheating because I know what Nelson's supposed to taste, <laughs> smell like. Uh, Nelson's Savin is an Australian um, hop that a lot of people say gives it Sauvignon Blanc characteristics, mm-hmm. which is why it's called Nelson Savin. Um, some other people think it smells like diesel fuel. So it mm-hmm. kind of depends on your palate. Um, it depends on the freshness of the hops. Yeah, that, that's the la- same like a Scotch whiskey you have that right. from from the Isle, and so it's it's that um, tastes like like uh, tears or something. So this one's called El Paseo. Yes. El Paseo. And and how did you come up with that name for this one? So El Paseo is the street where where my where my house is. <laughs> well, there you go. That so works. That's easy. So it's, it's difficult in California to find a street name in Spanish, right? Yeah, yeah. That's Every street so actually, El Paseo means um, going, Paseo means let's, let's go on vacation. You know, that's the word, the word el, el Paseo in Spanish means like vacation. Let's, let's go for the weekend. So this is like the IPA that you want to take for your weekend. Perfect. That's awesome. But, but that's good because um, you know the story about uh, Mercedes, the company, the, the big car? Yeah, Mercedes. Yes. Mercedes. Yes. You know that was the name of the daughter, of the uh, founder? Yeah. So, yeah, you're good in, a, you're in that family. Right. So, or, or do, you have, do you have a dog maybe? That's, <laughs> no? Cats? Well, the one, the one I think about that's like that is, do you remember Miramax Films? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you know why it was called Miramax Films? The Weinstein Brothers, why they called it that? No. Was their parents' names Mira and Max? Wow! Yeah. Look at that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like Mercedes. Yeah. Yeah. Then we can give it a taste, and I'm curious to hear what you guys are picking up when you taste it. They're almost gone. They're almost done with the beer. <laughs> IPA left. So this one, this one compared to the other one, um, I think it has has a little bit, a little more body, um, but the alcohol is higher, of course. Yeah. Uh, is a seven point two percent beer for a single I, for a single IPA, but you get more of the bitterness on, on your tongue. Much more, yeah. Yeah, that's what, yeah, definitely, yeah. yeah. And, and it's it's very good. You know, but it's I, definitely I can, you can taste that. You said more industrial. That's interesting when you. Yeah, I didn't mean to put. I didn't mean to plant that in your your in your yeah. senses, you know, because <laughs> I suggested it, and it it probably yeah, yeah. affects the way you perceive it. But yeah, that's that's. <laughs> 
with you. But that's that particular hop. A lot of people do perceive it that way to have that, and that can be kind of a good thing. It's kind of like a big, which is what people want sometimes with an IPA. Yeah. So, so you can do, diff- I guess, different types of IPAs depending on the hops that you use. If you want, if you want a, uh, an IPA that is more floral, or you have more aroma when you open or when you drink in the IPA, uh, and you want it less bitter, you basically just use less hop for bitterness in the process. These, these two beers take longer to brew, or or is it the same process? Is just the different different things that you put in, or so it's the same process. Uh, no, normally, the brewing process for a uh, Normal days, what six hours beginning from cleaning, pre cleaning, and then sanitation, after, sanitation, yes, sanitation. and then after you finish, of course, you, you need to clean. So it takes what five, six hours. Uh, but then the fermentation for this beer, for example, for the for the G for the G, for the G root, it takes shorter time for the fermentation. But I let I add ginger to to the fermentation too. So uh, it takes less time for this beer than for the for the IPA uh, because you want to add the the hops when your fermentation is almost completed to start adding the hops to dry hop. And how long will these uh, how long can these sit for? Is it better to drink it right away or is it better to wait like uh, a month or I mean how does that work? So IPAs you definitely want to drink it as close to the brewing as you can um and and so you recommended maybe sushi or and then marcus suggested his uh, belly tacos. Uh, belly tacos. <laughs> what would you recommend uh, to have with the el paseo the oh pan? my god uh el paseo ipa you can have it with burgers uh, you, you can have yeah, burgers I ribs i can see a great the, the only dry th- aged Double burger in front of me. So the only thing that I don't recommend with with an IPA, and that's my case because I'm kind of allergic to spicy food. So if you have like Indian food, which is already spiced, and you drink it with an IPA, that's gonna multiply your your tolerance to to the spiciness. Uh, but I will say with anything. So IPAs are tricky. Some people find them hard to to eat with almost anything. Other people like them with everything. That's me. I've, I've found a weird sort of combination where I enjoy them with uh, red sauces, with Italian food, which is something I never thought I would, but I ended up trying it at some point, and I've really liked it. I agree with Luis, though. I don't. I thought it would be perfect with spicy food, and a lot of online resources will tell you that's a good match, and I don't like it. No. I don't think it goes very well with Mexican food or Indian food or Thai food. Those foods I find go great with a really clean, crisp, easy-drinking lager or something that can just wash away the, the heat. Um, but IPAs, like, for some reason, I find they go well with Italian food. I agree a big burger um, would be good. Um, well, Marcus loves burgers. Well, there you go. Yeah, I would say out of anything, Marcus, uh, burgers are number one. Well, here, well, here's my recommendation for an IPA. Anything that comes in out of a food truck. <laughs> oh, that's a good topic. Food trucks. No, no. When it, but trucks. when it does come to burgers, so I'll tell you a tidbit. So what Marcus does is he he doesn't. You know, you get a burger, and they said, "Would you like fries?" Marcus says, "No, no, no. I I want a double burger <laughs> and no fries." And so he always gets double burgers, right? Because yeah. it's two meat patties, and he says that's okay because I'm not getting those fries. So he always gets a double, always. 
Is that correct? Yeah, if it is possible. So sometimes getting too high. So You're on the paleo diet. You just want to go straight meat. Um, <laughs> he that, just loves the burger so much. Yes. <laughs> he just loves the burger so much. I can tell already. He, I think he wants to go get a burger after this. <laughs> oh yeah, that's a good place here. Mm. <laughs> yeah, he loves the dry aged, right? Yeah, this dry aged burger, burgers. Uh, so just, just remember, leave some, leave some beer for. Oh, for in a couple oh, yeah. of minutes. Okay. So let it, we almost, let it warm. We almost drank it all again, Marcus. We have yeah. to wait. We have to wait. I did that. No, we have to wait. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Wait for the. So I'll put in a little plug. Other temperature. A little plug here. One of my favorite things to eat with Luis's beer is Luis makes fantastic empanadas. Ah, oh, there you go. Mm. <laughs> That's awesome. Yes. So, so tell us about uh, your um, how you're working to get a space and what's that process like for you. So I'm working with. Two brokers right now looking uh two locations. Um, we're working with with the city to trying to figure out if those locations are going to be right for their zoning, and it looks like there's going to be some changes that I'm going to have to do to the to the plan of the brewery, which I'm fine to do uh, as 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 if the city makes the, the different uh, steps to to get there. Um, but uh, we have all the legal stuff ready. Uh, we're just looking for for the right location. Um, again, we're looking for a place where it's going to be family-oriented brewery. Uh, we're going to do a lot of events with the community, try to support local restaurants, local bars. If there are some places around us that can bring the beer to, to our tap room, and that way we, we don't have to worry about the food. Um, at the same time, we we wanted to do a lot of events around the brewery, uh, like bike uh, bike days. Uh, I would love to do like a, a Namaste at Del Cielo, which is just a Sunday yoga uh, at the brewery. Was better than that, you know. Sunday yoga at the brewery. Wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and, and yeah, just right. call it Namaste. Adel Cielo. So spiritual, right? Yeah, it sounds nice. <laughs> and and how and uh how you know the process of opening a place, did you think it was gonna be easier, harder, or is it I, I knew it was gonna be harder uh, and it's been hard to find the right location. Um but if it if it was easier everybody was able to open um a business, you know. But that's what that's what that's what we want to do, and, and we're pushing forward, um, and we that's what we wanted to do. Yeah, so what I, what I do like a, a lot about, I mean, this is an amazing product. The, the beer is really great, but I also like that you've already been on social media. You've already been engaging with people, already meeting people, going right now, even at, uh, going out and meeting with restaurant, restaurant owners and giving, and giving them samples, and you're just being out in the community and engaging with lots of people, and you're not even open yet, you know? Right. So I think that that's really, really, really smart um, because that's the way you're going to be very successful right away because you don't want to open a big huge place and then start doing that and i think a lot of people that they, they do it that way and it's this is much better so when i searched for your brand for your beer i found the web that web page called untapped okay so um is untapped the yelp for beer i think that's that's not a bad yeah. analogy it's a it's a mix between Sort of a Facebook and a Yelp for beer. It's sort of a, a social media hub for beer people. And 
Um, Do you think that a lot of people use it, Jeremy? I, I tell I you, when, it, when I was able to brew, I've brewed a couple beers with commercial breweries over the past few years, and that's when I, that's where I went and found people's reviews of my beers was on Untapped. Okay. Um, so I know it's fairly, it is fairly widely used. So it's, it's like Yelp, but uh, people know what they are writing, so they are more professionals in the no, 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 it's not. It's pretty no. much, it's more, you know, it's people just checking in from wherever they are and whatever they're drinking. Okay. Um, but be, there's a, I think the heavy user base are people that have tried a lot of different beers and have a pretty good knowledge base. And so the ratings are fairly reliable, I think. Yeah, so basically you just, even if you buy a beer and you take it home or you add the brewery, and you, you order the beer. So basically, you take a picture of the beer, uh, one to five stars, and then you put some comments. There's there's some people that, that leave a lot of comments, or they just a lot of people, they, they just take a picture, and, and they, they rate the beer, so next time they remember if they like it or not. So I, I guess there are a lot of users, different users, and different usage for, for the app, yeah. But did you check your um, ratings at that website? No, because uh, because uh. I, I don't sell the beer. So until he opens, uh, until he has a commercial until, license, until, until you're yeah. until you're did open, you, you cannot sell you some ratings. Did you have ratings? Yes, but your own ratings <laughs> or um, no? There are probably some ratings from when I take beer to the homebrew um, to those. Oh, is that mm. what they're from? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, as a. Uh, uh, if you if you're brewing uh, 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 at a no commercial scale, you mm -hmm. cannot sell your beer, so they're not going to find your beer um, anywhere. But I think, like you said, it's also kind of like a what are those things called, like a, a a diary or whatever. People like yeah. want to track every yeah. single thing right. they drink. That's what it so is. So they remember, you know. That's exactly right. I, I don't. Okay, so what's that? Not a Okay, that's uh, Luis. That's that kind of um, Google Maps. So we save that on Google Maps and some. Right, and, and, and the good thing is that you can search uh, where the closest breweries are, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh. So, Luis, in addition to the the space you've been looking for, you also mentioned before we came on the air that you were talking about um, the equipment, and that's something that's a big part of opening a brewery is it's a huge amount of equipment, very expensive equipment. Right. But you, you've done the research there, and you're, you're pretty much ready to buy what you need to buy, right? Yeah, we, we already have the... Um, the the manufacturer is selected um, with a couple of details just to <clears throat> to finalize once we find the location. Um, it depends on the height of the ceiling and the and the size of the space. But we're pretty much with the with the manufacturer ready just to send the check. You said that uh, you are in uh, Walnut Creek, right? Right. So um. This is East Bay and beyond. So um, what place would you recommend to people who are new in the Bay Area? For food, for, for everything. For, for everything. everything. Oh, my God. Um, maybe food better, but maybe that helps you. Well, in the East Bay area, I would, like, if you're new in the area, I would recommend you to visit Mount Diablo. Mm -hmm. um, I bike Mount Diablo a couple times on the, on the week. On a, on a windy day, right? So. No, not on a windy day. <laughs> that's a that's a very nice place to go. There, there's some picnic areas. Um, no alcohol is allowed, <laughs> but you can have it when you get back home. Mount, yeah. Mount Diablo is amazing, though. From the top, you can see 
Twin Peaks in San Francisco on a clear day. Oh, yeah. wow. You can and see it, Yosemite on a clear day. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. Uh, I actually camped up there a couple of times uh, when so, I was younger, and uh, it, but it does get kind of windy, uh, and so depending on the day. But I've been blown off that mountain, you know, my tent and everything. It was pretty fun. Okay. But yeah, Mount Diablo, amazing. And Jeremy, what about what about you? What, uh, so let me let me for if you're a if you're a beer lover and you come to the Bay Area, um, you have to make a pilgrimage to Russian River Brewing Company in Santa Rosa. Um, you really can't claim to be a beer lover and spend any significant length of time in the Bay Area without going to Russian River. What what makes that brewery special? Um, Vinny Chalerzo um, was sort of a pioneer in creating extreme beers, and mm-hmm. he was the first to. Really create what it, this a style called double IPA with Pliny the Elder, mm-hmm. um, and uh, also, but at the same time, not just hoppy beers, right? He's also known for sour beers, which are fantastic as well. He does um, beers because it's in wine country. Santa Rosa is right on the edge of the wine country. There, uh, he ages his sour beers in different kinds of wine barrels, and so they get a fantastic character from that. And he does one in Cabernet, one in Pinot, one in Chardonnay. And so um, if you want to sort of cross over wine, beer, mm-hmm. um, local experience, Russian River Brewing Company, it can't be beat. So what's, what's amazing is that uh, where we're at here on Piedmont Avenue, um, Cato's Ale House, they have Pliny the Younger. Uh, uh, every February. Yeah, every, and there's a line <laughs> down the street. Yeah. You have to buy tickets and all these things, yes. and people stand out there for hours and hours and hours. It's pretty amazing. And so and, uh, is, I think it's every Tuesday – they get a fresh Pliny the Elder over there. Um, and so uh, since it's next door, uh, sometimes we walk over there and get it, and it's very good. With a yeah. burger? Uh, with a burger, but in this case, uh, it's more <laughs> the beer. <laughs> yeah. That's right. So, yeah, the combination of wine and beer, Santa Rosa, yeah, that's, that's great. And yeah, just imagine... Tomorrow will be tomorrow. Will be um, your last day in the Bay Area. Uh, where would you go and say goodbye? I will go. I'm a diver. I dive, so I will go diving in Monterey. Mm. That's that will be my last day. I will go dive in Monterey, and that's not really the Bay Area, but a wonderful place. <laughs> it's uh, I consider it's it Bay Area close. adjacent. Yeah, yeah it is. <laughs> it's right. amazing. Yeah, it is. I, I love when you kayak over there and there's yeah. otters all around you and they play games with you and follow you and it's just it is pretty amazing. Now when you when you dive there, do you what stands out to you? Oh my god, the so you you're diving and you just all the vegetation, all all the kelp. Mm-hmm. You're basically going through all the kelp and then you're in the middle there and there's a um how do you call it? Dolphins or otters or the, the otters or the seals? the seals. Oh, seals! Yeah, or yeah. the seals just going through next to you and just kind of touching you, and then just they 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 play so a so lot. You feel the nature. Yes, yeah, it's amazing. You're part of the nature of the ocean. Of and it is a, it is just amazing place right by the aquarium. There, it's yeah. been it's just naturally just amazing. Have you been there? Uh, Monterey, yes. Okay. More than once. The Monterey Bay Aquarium. Yes. Yeah, but have you done kayaking there? No, not yet. Yeah, the I, kayaking I is awesome. I love that place um, called um, Pebble Beach, or especially Spanish Bay. I love that place. Being there <laughs> with a sandwich and... Uh, <laughs> that sounded particularly German. 
<laughs> that, that, that sounds Jim. That I little love that place. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's Jim. Uh, you know, know what it is? It's like it's like your inner child. That's what it is. And that's yeah, why that's why that's, yeah, why, that's why it's right. very cute. Yeah. Okay. yeah, that's right. But it's but you're but you're a big man. And and, 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 and how tall are you? I know. How tall are you? Six uh, four. You're six four. Yes. And you're like I love this place. <laughs> no, I, I say I love that place. Yeah. Uh, so, but, yeah, that's a beautiful place. Yes. So Spanish Bay or. Especially Pebble Beach and yeah, yeah. Okay, awesome. uh, what about, what about his favorite? What's he gonna do, Jeremy? Yeah. So, I have mixed feelings about this one. But what I would probably do is go to a Giants game at AT and T. I grew up on the Giants. I've been a Giants fan my whole life. Um, my mother has been an usher at the ballpark for over thirty years and is still out there. I worked there for five years when I was a teenager selling. You know, not at, not at AT and T, but the old Candlestick Park. Yeah. Um, as a vendor when I was a kid and have a lot of good memories from uh, Giants baseball. And I still take my kids to lots of games. And um, so for me, if I was probably my last day in the Bay area, in fact, I, I lived, I grew up in the Bay area, but I lived in LA for 16 years in between and then came back to the Bay area. And on the drive back with my car packed with my stuff and my dog in the car, I got a call from a friend and said he had tickets for the Giants game. And I went straight to AT&T Park before <laughs> I went to my new home and watched the game. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I would probably do the same thing on the way out. That's that's awesome, yeah. So I, I had a uncle that passed away, and he went to every single home game every single year for like uh, yeah. I don't know fifteen twenty years. There's seventy four home games. Wow. He went to every single one of them. Yeah, pretty amazing. Yeah, he he, he really uh, was really into the Giants. I love the Giants. It's great. So how many uh, products? These you only have two products right now, or how, how many? No, I I have. Um Around twelve different beers already, um, recipes very strong to to take commercially. But these these were amazing. Yeah, I, uh, you know Definitely. the last thing I would say is Mark Marcus uh, uh, drinks a lot of beer. And what do you think? These are these are really good. That's what I said. Uh, I enjoyed that ginger beer very much, especially in the beginning. And this is. Um, very strong beer. I, yeah, the IPA is very strong. That's the first uh, thing. And then um, it's more like a good red wine because you drink it more sl- slowly. And uh, I usually drink beer not that slowly. <laughs> uh, so I like the hoppiness, the flavor. And yeah, it's it's a great IPA. I had that uh, flavor you mentioned. Yeah. So there's more... Uh, but I think many people like that. It's like the same like Scotch whiskey. You yes. have that from the Isle, and some people like it, or some. So people for don't you, like for you, you would get the G root and just slam it down. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a session IPA fan. Yeah. So usually I like that very hoppy, less alcohol, because <clears throat> I can drink two of them <laughs> instead of one. But yeah, that's my favorite. I, I like that very much because of the flavor. It's a big bottle for. A whole evening, and it needs more time than the ginger one mm-hmm. because it's easy drinking. And yeah, yeah, talking about session IPA, so I do a, a session IPA that I call it nine to five session IPA. Uh, the idea basically, the nine to five comes from the area code, but it's a because it's a session IPA, it's so light that you can drink it at your office from nine to five. So you get the I idea, right. You got it? Ah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
Okay. And and um, so, so we you just sell that to the offices, right? <laughs> <laughs> so it's so a beer for business. Yeah. yeah so for the hipster business. for the hipster co-working spaces, the keg, you yeah. know, at their office could be nine to five. Yes. Yeah. So we just had a a homebrew event like a month ago uh, in Pleasant Hill, and there were like eighteen different brewers, and it was a people's choice. Uh, award so you get three uh, three caps once you pay the tickets mm-hmm. and then you you try all the beers and then you start voting for the beers that you like so the nine to five session ipa won first place for people's choice so that was that was yeah. pretty pretty that's good that's why i say that's, that's that's are great especially in the summertime yeah it was very hot so yeah thank you very much thank you Luis. thank you jeremy for that great introduction uh, into How to brew. How to drink. How to drink, yeah. That's Slowly. If it's a great beer, then oh, maybe. Um, yeah, so this was our second episode. That's true. And I hope you liked it, liked it very much. And if you have any comments or feedback, just visit our website, foodbrews.com or Facebook, Twitter, you know, all that stuff. And thanks you for listening to Food Brews. Thank you. <laughs>